Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cashback benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar copays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt. We're going to go over, is Josh Allen competitive with Patrick Mahomes? Is he the number two quarterback in the AFC and in the NFL in general? We're going to go over that and rank the AFC and more coming at you at the Going Deep Podcast. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Throw and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Wow. Welcome back to a beautiful June edition of the Going Deep Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, and we'll be talking through the AFC with Mike Bunt. Mike. How are you feeling today on this beautiful Tuesday in June? I'm feeling great today, Kevin. Uh, it's it's a wonderful day outside. I'm wearing my Hamilton Tiger Cats Johnny Manziel jersey <laughs> right now. Football is back up uh, above the border, so uh, back going on. So uh, it's a good time to, to be talking some football as we uh, finally get to this quiet period of the NFL offseason in between mini camp and training camp. Yeah, we've gotten some blessings of really great news. I mean, the Bills have keeping it focused. They're keeping it going. Like the whole Stefan Diggs story, which we touched last time on the show. So go check out our thoughts on that. As we kind of enter in, what can this roster be? And what can this roster do to can be competitive in the AFC? Where are the holes? We're going to do an AFC East special here in a couple of weeks here in July. So looking forward to that one. Uh, maybe we'll bring in some AFC East guys. I got some some great ones we can bring on for that, Mike. But as you kind of look at it, the compass all encompass of the whole of the AFC and, and across the NFL. I wanted to hone in on uh, this is this is a good topic because Josh Allen's a Madden cover, and I don't really care as much about that as I do. Where does the player actually rank in the AFC and the NFL, Mike? So we're gonna kind of start there on a holistic standpoint of 
how far is well, I want to start at the top. Number one is Patrick Mahomes. I don't know that Mike's going to give me much of a debate. How far of, is the gap, whether you have Allen or Burrow, or I guess I don't know who else would be there. I don't, I don't think there's a real competitive argument for really anyone else. How far is that gap to Patrick Mahomes in your mind, Mike, as these teams and these quarterbacks try to chase who might be now the best player in the league as well as maybe the best player to play the sport? So if you're talking talent gap, what is the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? There isn't much of a gap in talent. But if you tie everything together, intangibles, clutch factor, ability to to make the big play, not only to win a regular season game, but do it when it matters in the postseason, that's where there's a little bit of a larger gap. I would say right now it's Pat Mahomes – trying to get my hands right right here and then everybody else even burrow allen uh, uh a bit beneath him just because talking about one quarterback with two super bowls in his first five years three super bowl appearances he's never fallen short of making it to the afc championship game <laughs> and while wins might not be a quarterback stat to some you still have to give him the credit for carrying that kansas city team on his shoulders throughout the first uh five six years of his career But talent-wise, I would say that Allen, Burrow, they're not that far behind Mahomes. They just haven't accomplished what Mahomes has accomplished. That's a good way to put it, Mike. Um, What's really interesting to debate is you mentioned one thing that I want to touch on is quarterback wins. And it's something that I go back and forth with. And I'm very much on the – as far as you can be on the camp that quarterback wins are a stat – I don't believe that these teams from Mahomes to Allen to Burrow are as good without their three quarterbacks. And then you can further down the line. I think that wins can even out in terms of the talent level of a roster. I think there's good coaching that can be involved. I don't think it's all encompassing. I don't think it's an absolute, but I do believe on the most part that wins do factor in as a quarterback stat, because I just don't have a great argument that the bills and, and, and and the chiefs, that their rosters would be the same with a 26-ranked quarterback in the league. So that's always something that I I struggle with thinking that it's not. It's not a tangible stat, I believe, but I think that it's more of an intangible stat where as an analytical guy myself, the one thing that I that I use for an eye test stat is the quarterbacks. It's how good is Cincinnati with Colt McCoy? Uh, how good is Cincinnati with Brandon Allen? I don't think very good. Uh, how good are how good is even this talented Bills roster if um, you know Kyle Allen is to play for 16, 17 games? I don't know. So that's really where I kind of struggle with it not being a quarterback stat because I don't know how what what is the level that Josh Allen wore. So baseball uses war, Mike. A lot of sports just started to go to that. What is the wins above replacement um, for a player like Josh Allen? Like. What do you think, Mike? What do you think, you know, for Josh Allen? How many wins does just putting Josh Allen on the field give you as compared to an average quarterback and then a below average quarterback like Kyle Allen? What would you say? Like, you're talking seven? You're talking not? How many wins does Josh Allen playing at full strength give you? That's a tough one, and I don't have any stats to back up uh, a number. I would guess it would be around probably five, six wins. You take Allen out. The Bills are maybe closer to a 500 team because you're still talking about a team that has had the number one ranked defense two years ago in analytics, had a top three DVOA last year. So you would figure if you had an average quarterback in that uh, in that team, 
system, you would still win eight, nine games. And maybe if you had a slightly above average quarterback, you could still maybe get to double digits. But uh, yeah, it, I, I've always somewhat agreed with you, Kevin. Like, obviously, if you don't have the superstar quarterback, you're, you're not winning nearly as many games. So I get the why you say that wins do have to have something to do with the quarterback, whether or not you call it the a quarterback stat or not, it's arguing over semantics, but uh, obviously you need a good quarterback to win in the NFL. I just don't understand the argument. Like I get like practically like why you could consider it not a QB stat, but then in my mind, I go back to how good would some of these top AFC teams be? We heard, how about the Jets is a good example. We'll see. Like we heard about the Jets forever. Like if they only had a quarterback, if they had a quarterback, they have this best defense. They have, you know, Garrett Wilson, they have Brees Hall coming back. They have, um, you know, now Alan Lazard and some of the Green Bay supporting cast members in, in New York. But what would you, with, with Mike White, they're probably still eight and nine. Um, yeah, the, the, the best way of looking at it is this. The, the people yeah. that will say it's wins aren't a quarterback stat, they'll point to you. Uh, they'll point to Trent Dill for winning a Super Bowl with the Ravens. They'll point to some of the, the greater defensive teams that have won or teams that relied on a run game back in the day before passing was at the premium that it is now. L- let's be realistic. Wins has always been a team's a team stat for most sports that are around. But for whatever reason, you you assign it to a certain player. A pitcher in baseball could win 20 games with a 2.5 ERA, or they might win 20 games when they play for the Yankees with a 5.0 ERA. There's a lot of factors that go in. Same with goaltending and soccer and hockey. You could be the greatest goaltender in the world, but if you play in front of a a horrible roster, you're going to lose a lot of games. So it – Yes. At the end of the day, wins, losses, team stat. But your quarterback is going to have overwhelming the the highest impact on whether you get the win or the loss at the end of the day. Yeah, and a lot of the the examples, whether it's Flacco, who was pretty good in his prime, whether it was some of the the Dilfer years or a couple other quarterbacks, they had elite defenses, elite, and then number two – those was in a defensive era. It was a different era of football. So for me, it's a matter of does it really affect what the team performs? I do. Like, look at you use the baseball example. Aaron Judge, he is out with a toe, turf toe injury. The Yankees can't get out of their own way. They can't get out of their own way without one ninth the MVP of the league. Um, and that's an analytical sport where it's a complete team sport. It's kind of the same thing to me here where it's where it's a matter of the intangibles that player brings. There's only a few examples, maybe San Fran, who has middle tier quarterback play, and they got a lot out of Brock Purdy uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo in his day. Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. That's the funny part. Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. We'll see what he's able to do this year if he's even on a roster um, with Tom Brady uh, running the show. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he looks like outside of that San Francisco model. Um, but I, I, will he even be on a roster? I don't know. That's that's such a weird contract, Mike, um, to me, like what, why he would agree to that contract. I don't know. Like why his agent would say that, like agree to that injury clause, super weird scenario there. Um, but the bills do play them early on in the season. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how that looks, but as we look at, let's start with the NFL's quarterback tree. I want to start on the NFC side. Cause I, I think it's a little clearer. 
where do you on the NFC side, you have Dak Prescott, you have Jalen Hurts, you have them all basically in a similar division in the same division. Um, is there really anyone that threatens the top seven AFC quarterbacks? I mean, Hurts, what, 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 what's your, what's your outlook on the NFC quarterback picture? Because if I was an NFC or if I was a player looking to go somewhere, I would look at the NFC as an easy path to the Super Bowl because of the, of the quarterback talent. Yeah, I, let's not spend too much on the NFC just because of yeah. how weak it is uh, overall at quarterback. There's only two quarterbacks I really would consider near the top uh, group of guys. That'd be Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Outside of that, you really don't have much. Daniel Jones, congrats Kirk to him, Cousins. I guess, today, but he's not in the conversation. The NFC South, we'll see uh, how things turn out with some of these young rookie uh, quarterbacks and some of the guys that are scattered throughout, but there really is no one in the the NFC okay. that is fighting for the top tier. Kirk Cousins, congrats to him on, I guess, being around the a top ten quarterback. But yeah, I would say Jalen Hurts is the the one guy that can maybe play his way into that top three, top four discussion, depending on how things work out with Philadelphia going forward. It still remains to be seen how much of that is a product of scheme and the players around him and or how much he's bringing to the table I think we all know Dak Prescott is good but not at that elite top five mark uh in the game so it really in the NFC I don't have anybody that's on the level of what I have Pat Mahomes Burrow Allen yeah, I didn't mean to touch too much on it, but I agree. Like, really, you could make an argument behind Hurts. It could even be Matt Stafford. Like, if he's back and healthy, like, he is probably competitive enough to be maybe above Dak at full strength. And if he is still, you yeah, know, we're talking about like Jared Goff being one of the better yeah, quarterbacks yeah. in the NFC. Like, sure. that's what that's what we're looking at. Like, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Matt Stafford, uh, maybe yeah. Bryce Young in Carolina if he ends up developing quickly. So, uh, it's really not. A, a top crop uh, of quarterbacks overall. No. Yeah. So as we, we kind of pivot to the AFC, this is where it gets interesting. As we just talked about uh, to start the show, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there's much, they can't really make a debate at least right now over anyone close to him. The gap might be there. You know, you can analyze the gap there, but right now it's easily uh, Patrick Mahomes. So let's move down the list. To me, Josh Allen has the natural talent, the skill set. Uh, kind of the moxie. He is my quarterback too. Um, I think he's had to do more with the last for the majority of his career. He's had digs to play with recently, uh, but really what made him special was his ability to elevate players. Where would Gabriel Davis be on a different roster? That's a great question. Would da- Dawson Knox have developed into a tight end? Uh, really a playoff machine. A lot of people don't talk about you know Dawson Knox playoff statistics uh, and what he's able to do in, in improv situations. Uh, so maybe just a good fit for Josh Allen. You know, what he did with John Brown and Cole Beasley uh, elevated their games. And just, you know, a lot of people like Khalil Shakir because they think he can be the next slot receiver here in this. And and for nothing more than Josh Allen, look to him late in the season. Like Khalil Shakir, we started off on Khalil Shakir and like early on last year. Um, and it, it just seemed to be that growing kind of niche market of Khalil Shakir to where people think like, I mean, he, you, you give seven untradeable players and I feel like Khalil Shakir makes the list for some people. Um, that's kind of really where he's wound up. Like if you think about it, people like Khalil Shakir. So I think that that elevation by Josh Allen is, is so, so important. And then everyone's talking about Sherfield and Hardy and a couple other guys because of the potential of what they could do with this quarterback, Mike. 
I don't think it's much debate. I have numbers galore. I have some numbers I can bring up against his competitor, probably for the number two spot here. Um, but uh, to me, it's Josh Allen and uh, and then it's Joe Burrow uh, as number three. And then I think the debate gets more and more interesting as you go down the go down the line. It's it's uh, that that's what I have, Mike. What what what's your opinion? So I don't want to annoy any Bills fans today. I don't want to fight a battle that I'm not prepared to to fight in right now. I'll have Josh Allen as number two. What I will say is I think there is a healthy debate for who is number two between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen at this current moment. And I do think there is a group of guys that you can make an argument are are able to enter the conversation depending on how they perform this year and could play their way into that number two, number three discussion. So first off, why do I have Allen ahead of Burrow despite Joe Burrow and the Bengals defeating the Bills last year in the AFC Divisional? My answer is I think Allen is a more rounded uh, quarterback overall with what he brings to the table. He might not be uh, as consistent as what uh, a Joe Burrow is. He might not be the the quarterback that you wanted back in the the 90s or 80s who's going to just stand in the pocket all the time be accurate on time break down defenses but Allen brings everything his his running game is a tremendous asset his arm strength his ability to improvise like you said he's elevated players that have come to buffalo i i think Allen at his top level is on the same tier as Mahomes of what Mahomes can bring when he's at his best. Allen is a guy that I think can make plays out of nothing. Burrow is more of a guy that lets his players make the plays. Now, there's that's nothing wrong with Burrow. I, I think Burrow is tremendous and uh, deserving to be uh, in the conversation, but I'll give the slight edge to Allen because of uh, his playmaking ability. Now, what I will say, Burrow has an argument. Uh, and his argument comes down to he's advanced further in the playoffs. Now his playoff stats don't match up to Josh Allen's playoff stats. If you look at just individual uh, statistics and box scores and uh, stuff like that. But the fact that Burrow has gotten to a Super Bowl where he advanced past Kansas City on the road in an AFC championship, then defeated the Bills on the road last year in the AFC Divisional and nearly took down Kansas City again Uh, in the playoffs, which would have been his fourth win in a row over Pat Mahomes. That does mean something. I I feel like this is similar to what the Manning-Brady conversation was for uh, a decade and a half, where everybody would look at Peyton Manning and they would say, you know what, he's... There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. The better quarterback. He's the guy that stuffs the stat sheet. He's... Uh, maybe one of the, maybe the greatest of all time, but Brady just kept winning, 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 winning. And he got the Super Bowls. He would win the head to head matchups the majority of the time. 
and Brady ends up retiring with seven Super Bowls, and we're really not having the Manning-Brady conversation anymore. So when it comes to Allen versus Burrow, while I think Allen is the better player overall, at some point Allen's going to have to prove it in the playoffs or else Burrow will eventually surpass him uh, in this conversation because Burrow has shown he can advance. And then one quick thing, Kev, I know I'm on a little bit of a tangent. Guys that can enter this conversation are guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. Uh, can they play their way into the 2-3 conversation? If, one, if either of them have a tremendous statistical season like a Burrow or an Allen, and they can get their team to a Super Bowl or an AFC championship, those are two guys that can be in this conversation in a year or two. And then there's always Aaron Rodgers. I know we're all looking down on him because he's 40, he's on the Jets, he's coming off a down season. If Rodgers has one of his Green Bay-like seasons where he throws for 35-plus touchdowns, even at his current age, you might need to re-put him at that number two, number three discussion because we are talking about a guy that won back-to-back MVPs just two years ago. Yeah, I mean, that cliff comes and it comes fast when you're a certain percentage retired. Uh, we'll get into more Rodgers and the AFC East. I think that is going to be a great show for some of my ammo and fire uh, we'll utilize in that show. But just real quickly, I wanted to highlight playoffs are when it matters. I've been told that's when it matters. And Josh Allen is better in almost every other statistical category in the playoff. 20 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio, you know, uh, tw- uh, 2,300 passing yards to 500 more than Burrow. Uh, you know, his rushing is, you know, going to obviously be 100, you know, 417 to 100 yards. Uh, so there's a big difference. Yards per attempt is up. Yards, yards per attempt. Quarterback rating, sixth all time. Uh, 7.2 adjusted net yards per attempt. Four games with 300 plus passing yards. Three games with three uh, plus passing touchdowns. None for Burrow. I think when it matters most, I think the biggest claim that people have here is that he does well against you just mentioned it against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that is one of his biggest. And then, and then, then the W in the snow against uh, Josh Allen. And so he does seem to his team. So this might be a counter to Kevin's point of, you know, our wins a quarterback stat, you know, maybe this is the, be your argument against me would be, well, his stats aren't all that great. Lou Anarumo shows up when it matters. He seems to put these game plans together against both Patrick Mahomes and Josh, you know, the one time against Josh Allen in the V playoffs. So, that's really what's an interesting point of the counter to me would be, well, those are pretty good stats by Burrow, but they're not elite. Uh, they're not elite as some others so far. So a lot of one score game wins, a lot of field goal by Evan McPherson two years ago, a lot of fumble recoveries, a few turnovers, uh, some, some, some ball luck um, with some of the statistics, but ultimately well-coached defense. I, I had to see it firsthand from Lou Anaruma. What he was able to do uh, was was impressive against both Mahomes and Josh Allen. And Burrow does enough, and he's solid, and his completion percentage is you know you know really good. And he is he's a competitor. But Mike, I have Josh Allen two, you know Joe Burrow three. I'm a Justin Herbert fan, but he does need to win when it matters the most. He does have too many faults. I like his game. I think he's solid. I think he's a really good player. He disappears. He went like four games and it was four or five without scoring a passing touchdown. It was something crazy. Uh, I need to see more consistency with some premier weapons. He's got a premier running back. Um, I need to see a little bit more from him in crunch time uh, from, from Herbert. And then that game against the Jags like that, that's not going to do you any favors with me. Uh, uh, for me, putting you number four, he's got to, he's got to show up a little bit more, but 
And then, you know, so number five is Hertz for me. I think Hertz is when ticking Hertz is really good. He's tough to stop. Um, and with that offensive line and the things he does have that offensive, those offensive weapons, that offensive line uh, Hertz to me is my five spot. So that's kind of how it shakes out for me. And I think what's really important about, you know, the AFC in general is this the best roster Josh Allen's had? We've talked about this a couple of weeks ago now. And, you know, as I look at the roster more and I break it down and what Dalton Kincaid can be, you know, Dawson Knox is, is okay off of that little minor tweak he had last week. You know, you have the receivers. I do believe Hardy's an upgrade. I do believe Sherfield's an upgrade to Kumaro. I do believe that you, you know, and you're coming back with another year of, of uh, Shakir, like I do believe, and then obviously, you know, you have Diggs and Davis. I do believe that you're elevated, you're upgraded everywhere across the board. Your guard spots are upgraded, your tackle spot. Uh, we'll see if, if, um, if Spencer Brown is playing better. It's all a, you know, interior was one of their biggest weaknesses, and that is, you know, hopefully corrected. Um, and then we'll see what the running back game looks like, which, you know, definitely has some talent on it as well, different style of player. Mike, that and then that defense you're bringing back uh, of Von Miller and you're getting a pass rush in Leonard Floyd and your safety plays healthy. Your corners are healthy, both Elam and White. I mean, it's 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 an interesting debate whether those players now will they elevate Josh to be more in Patrick Mahomes category. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I don't think it really is a debate. This is the most talented roster that the Bills have had since Josh Allen became their quarterback. So. I, I know I phrased the show today, has Buffalo narrowed the gap between uh, themselves and Kansas City and Cincinnati? And um, Spin, I, I noticed that you made the point, uh, Cincinnati might have narrowed the gap with Buffalo. Well, the fact is, even though the Bills have been tremendous in the regular season and they've been atop the analytics and all the DVOAs and metrics and stuff like that, Cincinnati and Kansas City are the two teams that have played for the AFC Championship the last two years. That's what matters. Uh, in the early 90s, when the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, we weren't. We don't look back now and talk about how at the very end they were a middle-of-the-pack analytic metric team and how they had to use a wild card in order to get there. We, we talk about how they still were getting to the Super Bowl. So uh, it doesn't matter that the Bills have had better regular seasons than Cincinnati the past two seasons. Cincinnati – has gotten to a point that the Bills haven't gotten to. So the Bills are still looking to narrow that gap. And uh, quite frankly, there is a gap uh, that started this offseason. And even Kansas City, I, I saw a comment uh, responding earlier, while the Bills have won uh, two of their last three against Kansas City, the Bills have beaten them on the road two straight years. And that if they were to play again, maybe the Bills would have won the contest. Well, Here's the thing. Even though the Bills have shown that they can compete with Kansas City and that maybe there isn't a talent gap on paper, Kansas City has two Super Bowls to, to brag about over the last five years. They've been to it three times. They've been to five AFC championships. So whether we're talking about a gap on talent or a gap of success in the playoffs, it, 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 there still is a perceived gap. And I don't think it's as big as what – many people are in the national media might be talking about, but at some point the bills have to, if they are this great or this amazing roster that we keep alluding to, they have to have that come to the table when it matters. So how do I look at this roster? 
I, I think they absolutely have narrowed uh, the gap between them and KC and Cincinnati. The fact that they added Puna Ford will help the pass rush be able to be aggressive and be on the attack when they take Daquan off the field. There shouldn't be uh, a big drop off in those situations. Daquan being off the field in, against Cincinnati just devastated the Bills uh, from uh, a run stuffing ability and uh, a pass rush in that game. They didn't have Von Miller at that contest. That makes a difference. Now they add a Leonard Floyd who should help them get by for a little bit until Von Miller does come back if he misses time. You, the fact that your, your D-line, you have a lot more confidence overall, that you have the guys that maybe you can sustain an injury here or there over the course of 17 games. So I, I think they narrowed the gap with the fact that their D-line is going to be stronger. The fact that you have Jordan Poyer healthy going into this season, Micah Hyde back on the field. You have Tredavious White. Now he's going to go into this year um, feeling more confident about where he is health-wise with his ACL and his knee after really just being thrown into it middle of last year. Kyrie Elam, another year in the system. You have Christian Benford. Who knows where, where his role is going to be. But, yes, I, I think the gap is narrowing. And then you look on the offensive side of the ball, adding uh, a big slack guy like Dalton Kincaid, improving the offensive line, um, bringing some more versatility to the running back room. The, the gap is not what it was. The issue, I think, in the long run, Kev, isn't is the gap narrowed between the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals, but has the gap narrowed between the Bills and all the other teams aiming at the Bills, Kansas City, and Cincinnati? Because now you have other teams in your division that are capable of giving you ball games every time you play them. You have other teams in your conference that have the ability to be competitive with you, even if they're not going to make the playoffs. The AFC is absolutely loaded right now. So if I'm looking at teams 1 through 12, yes, the gap has been narrowed for almost everyone. Uh, because when the Bills play the Jets, we already know the Jets have a great defense. But Aaron Rodgers makes them a difficult team. Whether they're a Super Bowl contender or an 8-9 win team, they are more difficult now going into this season. Miami with Tua uh, and the weapons that they have. Having Jalen Ramsey, we can make all the jokes about him being burnt toast and getting older and not being the same guy he used to be. Miami has playmakers on the def on the defensive side of the ball, and they have the quickest wideouts in the game in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They've narrowed the gap with the Bills. And even you go to the other divisions, uh, the fact that Denver Broncos have Sean Payton as their head coach going forward, the fact that the Cleveland Browns have Deshaun Watson, who's going to have an entire year now, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even with Kenny Pickett, they found a way to be around 500 last year. Lamar Jackson, will he be healthy for an entire season? He has some weapons. So, yes, I think the Bills are closer to KC and Cincinnati, but the Bills also have to watch over their back because there's a lot more teams that are closer to them than what they've faced or encountered over the past couple of years. Yeah, and one thing I had to, to bring up is I always like uh, a starting point, and Mike Clay does this, and you know I disagree with a lot of what he says, but it's very interesting. For having a tough schedule, the Bills are supposed to be 50% or greater to win all but one game, the road Kansas City game. So that's what's pretty interesting to me is that 
by Mike Clay's analytics and odds and what he crunches, he believes the Bills only lose uh, one game, even though his projected win total is 11.6. So it's interesting, 29th strength of schedule here by him. Unit grades are always very interesting to me. Uh, the second overall defense, third overall in the league, ninth overall offense uh, by his units. Obviously, he has the Bills defense is very strong, probably with the addition um, – of Leonard Floyd. He has under four games, six X, Greg Russo, seven Vaughn down to five. So I'm not sure exactly how many games he has Vaughn playing, but he only has him recording five sacks. Um, you know, he has Puna four, Tim settle, Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver in there with, with, with meaningful statistics each. He has Josh going for 4,400 yards and 32 touchdowns. Um, and he does have, uh, James Cook leading the way on the ground with 688 yards and four touchdowns and Damien Harris right there, basically neck and neck with him. Uh, he has Don Kincaid 500 yards and four touchdowns, which seems probably accurate. It doesn't seem too rough. Um, and he has the Bills uh, in great shape in a majority of games. I mean, if you look at the start of the season all the way to that Cincinnati game, the Bills have have the makings to go 8-0. Uh, that's what's in. They may drop one in there. Maybe it's the Miami game, but eight and zero. Like for as hard as this schedule starts, you know, to get your big bearings and be seven and one, eight and zero, even six and two at the worst is a really good place to start as you get into the meat and potatoes of the schedule. Cincinnati, Denver, Jets, Philly, KC, Dallas, Chargers, New England, Miami, outside of maybe a softer New England landing spot, if you want to call them that. Um, after that Tampa game, that is a very tough, if all those teams are healthy and they're as good as people say they are, that is a tough final eight, but it's really great to get off and running, to be in a position, uh, to see if those teams are actually as good as people think they are. Um, and the Bills starting hot would be more important this season to me than any other season. I need them to start hot, Mike. So there isn't much to be said for even negatively looking at their first eight, negatively six and two. I, I, I can't I can't see much worse than that. Um, so what are your takeaways from kind of what Mike Clay saying? I kind of agree with a lot of this, Kev. As far as the schedule, I've been saying I, I know when we did the pick'em show, I went 13 and four. Realistically, yep. with this strength of schedule, with the difficulty of opponents that they face, I do think probably more likely 11 to 12 wins this year. I don't think that's even a bad thing, given the difficulty uh, of the schedule they're facing. We we all forget just two years ago when they went to the AFC Divisional and obviously 13 seconds happened. They went 11 and six that year and there were ups and downs. They were seven and six, 13 games into the season. But when it came to the playoffs, they had a team that was poised, I think, to win the Super Bowl had they not had the meltdown at Arrowhead. And I, I look at this team. If, if you win 11, 12 games with this schedule, you are one of the best teams in the NFL. You are a top three, 14. Now, you, you're probably not getting the one seed, Kev, if, if you go 11 and six or 12 and five. But I do think you would end up being probably a two or a three in that scenario, more likely uh, than not a two. I think six and two through the first eight games is probably the worst case scenario uh, for, mm -hmm. for this team. Um, as far as like win-loss record, I, I don't think six and two is like a horrible spot to be in. Um, but I really don't think it's that tough of a start, Kev. You, you look at it, the Jets game, say that's a coin flip. Okay. Difficult game right off the bat. You're playing Aaron Rodgers, Monday Night Football, on the road on 9-11. That could go either way. Vegas, Washington, I'm looking at those as what should be two pretty easy wins, in my opinion. Miami, I feel confident that the Bills are 
at worst going to split with Miami. I think they'll get a win there. Say say they split uh, Miami-Jacksonville. After that, I don't see them losing against the Giants, Patriots, or um, Buccaneers. I, I think that a lot of people are going to talk up the Giants game. I think the New York game on Sunday night football is going to be one of the easier games on the Bills schedule this year. The Giants are a nice story last year. Brian Dable, respect him for guiding them to the playoffs, but I really don't think they are one of the better teams in the NFL. And I don't see Daniel Jones getting tremendously better overnight. So, yeah, I, I think much of what Mike Clay has here for his projections are are close. Uh, he typically is a little bit more conservative um, with yeah. stats. A lot of the fantasy guys are. That's why we're seeing 31 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions for Josh, and then six touchdowns on the ground. Uh, his numbers in previous years would tend to – uh, make you think he'll be higher than that. He has been averaging 36 touchdown passes the last three seasons uh, through the air. And then on the ground uh, as well, we're talking about uh, eight, six, and seven in the last three. So he's been a guy that's been 40-plus touchdowns uh, pretty consistently uh, of late. So I, I, I think these are all fair. And if they end up 11-12 wins, I, I, I think we should be happy at the end of the season. They got to get done in January, Kev. That's ultimately all that matters. The only reason why we're even talking about a gap right now is because of the postseason um, failures, the falling short um, in January. It has nothing to do with September through uh, December. Bills are easily uh, one of the top two, three teams in the NFL over the course of the last three years during the regular season. But that doesn't matter anymore. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Celebrity voice impersonation, not an endorsement. Why go to a single furniture store when you can go to Big Sandy Superstore? Shop and compare America's top five mattress brands, plus Nectar and Purple. And choose from over 22,000 in-stock appliances from the top brands at the guaranteed lowest price. Or furnish the room of your dreams with a large selection of American-built furniture. With financing plans for just about anyone, there's nowhere else quite like it. Big Sandy Superstore. They have to get it done when it when it counts the most. Yeah, and let's talk about comparison to last year is what I want to do because I keep hearing about the schedule. I keep hearing about all these different factors. Mike Clay projected 12 wins on the nose last year for the Bills. They received 13. Um, so he was pretty spot on. He said the Bills had a 70% win probability total last season in any game combined this year, 68%. Uh, so that's like more of a strength of schedule stat. They, the Bills have a 68% win probability average up over all of their games um, and 70% last year. The opponent's offense is 343 potential points this year, 363, 22, uh, excuse me, 20 points better last year were teams' offenses um, that the Bills are supposed to face. The biggest difference is the Bills, they don't believe, Mike Clay does not believe the Bills will score as much this year. Um, thought they had 465 points last year, 437 this year. So they're going to be, their offense is going to be 20 points worse this season. The strength of schedule last year wasn't easy. It was still 17th in the league. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, number one, uh, wasn't the easiest strength of schedule by any stretch. 
uh, DBs this year, team stat rankings fourth last year, sixth, um, you know, completions total, both uh, net last year, ninth, eighth this year, touchdowns allowed fourth best in the league, uh, fifth best last year, uh, interceptions this year. They expect them to be the 11th best in the league. They were 17th best uh, projection last year and sacks were, they, they were projected toward the bottom this year. They, they've increased it up to 20, uh, 20th overall. Um, so that's, that's a pretty interesting perspective defensively uh, they believe that, you know, their interceptions will be top three in the league. So, I mean, I think there will, there's a lot to say about, um, you know, a lot of the different factors defensively. They think they're better this year, uh, similar overall offense. They feel was a little bit better last year, but if you break down the positions, they think with the addition of wrap and where the corners are at, the DBs are better um, outside uh, off ball linebacker took a little bit of a hit, obviously with the loss of, of Edmonds. Uh, they feel edges a couple ticks better. They feel total interceptions this year are going to be a, t- uh, a lot better. Um, they think O-line plays better this year. Uh, tight end, obviously, with a huge tick up with Kincaid. Receivers uh, are equal this year, even though I, I could argue that one. And running backs take a big tick up this year, 1.6. Actually, last year they were 1.1. And they believe Josh Allen is better at a 3.9 than he was last year at a 3.6. Um, so in every other factor but off-ball linebacker, Mike, um, they, to our earlier point today, they believe, uh, advanced analytics and Mike Clay's fantasy stats and everything else believes that the bills are better pretty much everywhere uh, across the board and not taking much of a win probability hit because of the, the, the increased depth of the team. What do, what do you think? Kevin, it's undeniable. And I know that if you're a Bengals fan or you're a Chiefs fan, you're watching the show and you're, you're thinking these are just a few bills homers that are just going to say, Mike Clay doesn't like the bills much. <laughs> Uh, I'm not talking about Mike Clay. I'm talking about they might claim more homers because we no, know. I know, I know, podcasts and we're we're being positive about it about them. But the, the fact is this: the spots that they were weak at this offseason, they addressed. The one spot, like you said, where they really got hit was middle linebacker with Tremaine Edmonds leaving. But we can go over it nonstop. They they added Puna Ford. They added Leonard Floyd, uh, Taylor Rapp. You, you, you draft Kincaid, Osiris Torrance. You, you bring a, a few running backs into the room. You you sign Connor McGovern, David Edwards, and stuff. They address the big uh, areas of need. Now, running back being a 1.6, how big of a deal really is that being one of the perceived weaknesses? I don't think that's really a worry at all. James Cook is not going to be graded super high based off of an average rookie season where he didn't really get the ball much. Uh, in the early parts of the year. We'll see what James Cook is this year. Damian Harris is decent depth. Uh, Latavius Murray, we'll see if he's part of the the plans or not as the regular season goes on. But the Bills are a pass-heavy team to begin with. So I don't think the running back score being that low is really something to be concerned about. Wide receiver at 1.6, a lot of fans are going to be upset about that because there's a lot of Bills fans that uh, are high on guys, like you said, Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, but I think 1.6 is fair. Uh, you really only have Stephon Diggs as your big known commodity. Now, I, I could have seen them a, a few ticks higher, maybe a two uh, in Mike Clay's ratings, because I don't think Gabe Davis is as weak as what um, the perception of him is. I know that he has some weaknesses. I know he didn't. He's coming off not the best year. He didn't live up to the expectations uh, of the fan base or outsiders. But I do think that's sometimes when a guy like him might actually hit this year where there isn't all those expectations. Khalil Shakir, he's going to have to prove himself. 
Uh, I do think he has potential, but uh, there's a reason why he wasn't seeing the field last year more. And Deontay Hardy might be one of those surprise under the radar guys that fantasy gurus and outsiders aren't really speaking out about at the current moment that might come in and play at, at a decent level. And obviously Dalton Kincaid, he's labeled a tight end. We're going to see him in the slot a lot. Correct. He's going to put up numbers. And I think both him and Knox are going to have solid years, but when you look at the defensive side of things, Kevin, look at all that green in the unit greens. Uh, <laughs> yep. it, it's insane. Like the fact that you go too deep at D tackle, D end, um, you you bring back two All Pro uh, players that are going to be full time in your secondary. Like you think about it, this this team alone. You think about the defense alone. How many former All Pro players are on this defense? You have two safeties. You have Trey. Um, you have Matt Milano and then obviously Von Miller. You have five former all-pro players on this defense alone. And, and granted, they're not all at that same level. And there are some injury concerns and how will be, people be uh, performing as they get older. But the lack of talent is not a question on this defense. Now, I do think the sack totals will be higher than 39, just because mm-hmm. I think adding a guy like Puna Ford will help basically shut down that interior, allowing the guys on the outside uh, to go to work and clean things up. So I do think 39 is going to be lower. Last year we went into the season that the goal was that we set was 50 for the over under. And at one point early in the year, it looked like they had a chance. And then once Vaughn went out, things really slowed down from the pass rush. But I do think they'll go over 39. But the, the question I'm going to toss to you, Kev, Looking at all this information right here, looking at the positional groups, what do you believe is the most improved unit on this team? Because I have an answer for you, uh, but I want to hear what you say first. Yeah, it could be interesting to kind of wrap up. I'll get your answer in a second to wrap up that overall. It's 43 total sacks there at the bottom, basing, you know, with including the DB sacks um, from Mike Clay. And uh, he is I'm above that. that too. I said 39. Yeah. I'm above 43 as well. Yeah. Uh, third overall, though, the Mike Clay does. So, you know, it realistically, that means most of his projections, maybe beside the Eagles, are pretty conservative. Uh, that 43 would be third best in the league uh, per projections. Um, I think what's really interestingly an upgrade, Mike, I mean, if Mike Clay says, I'm going to answer it in Mike Clay's terms, he says defensive uh, tackle is the biggest interior uh, is the biggest upgrade to the roster. He has them up one point, a whole 1.2 um, upgrade at the defensive interior position um, running back. He feels they upgraded a pretty good amount uh, tight end a little bit. Uh, let me see. Yeah. So overall it would be the defensive tackle position that has the biggest upgrade from Mike clay. Um you know, not, you know, that's realistically just the addition of Puna Ford. That's the only real addition there as compared to, you know, Brandon Bryan or or somebody else. That's really a big upgrade there. So I could What's see your that. answer, though? What's your answer? And, I, and what, I'm, what I'm asking. Slot receiver is the biggest okay. upgrade to me. Tight end, whatever you want. Tight end, weapon, slot receiver. Um, I do think he, him giving him a 1.6 and only a, a slight tick up at tight end isn't enough of an upgrade for what actually happened at the slot. I mean, assuming because you lost Isaiah McKenzie to score down your uh, receivers is an interesting proposition. I don't love that, uh, that weakness there, but I mean, you know, per Mike clay, you know, there would be an opportunity for the bills to add a receiver too. But to me, Mike, the upgraded position is 
tight end two, slot receiver, total depth uh, from the slot um, weapon position would be the upgrade to me because that is something the Bills are lacking, uh, and that would be the biggest upgrade. I do think defensive tackle is probably second, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cheat here and break some of the rules. Obviously, uh, running back, there were upgrades. Some people would argue yes. that a lot of people were high on Devin Singletary. Maybe Mike Clay wasn't as much um, in the past. Obviously, offensive weapon in quote marks because of Dalton Kincaid uh, <laughs> yes. is in the discussion. Defensive line, I think, would I would that was probably the one argument I could have considered because you're bringing in Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd uh, with the rotation the Bills run, being able to have a player with starting capability. Six, on the six one this year, Mike. Six one from the defensive line last year. They would have been a uh, four six. So yeah, pretty good so, upgrade. I definitely think that defensive line is in the conversation, but I'm I said I was going to break our Bart. rules a little bit. You know how we don't like to, when we answer this, we're normally talking about newcomers. We're not talking about players that were already on the team due to injuries. I have to go corner the defensive back room okay. as the biggest upgrade on this team. Because when you think about it, Kev, let's be real. Even though they, they wouldn't show in these numbers that they're drastically upgraded. Micah Hyde did not play 95% of last season. Jordan Poyer was dealing with the UCL in his elbow. Then he was dealing with a bunch of other injuries. Honestly, I, I give him credit for even being out there after all what he was going through last season. Trey White not back until the second half. Didn't have time to really amp up um, and have time pre preparing for the season. He had to just be thrown into it. Uh, late in the season, there was time when Dane Jackson was out of the lineup when he was being relied on as a starter. They didn't have the faith yet in Kyrie or Elam to have big time snap counts in, in moments. Yes, he did see the field. Yes, he did play. And then even Christian Benford, when he started getting things going, he he got hurt and then he missed games. I look at this DB room right now, Kevin, and we have you have Hyde Poyer. You got your all-pro safety duo back. And, yes, they're getting older. That's the best safety tandem in the NFL. When they're playing their ball, we'll see what they are. I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to still be at that level, but I still expect them to be pretty damn good. Now you have a quarterback room where you feel like, even if Trey isn't the elite version of him that we have grown accustomed to, mm -hmm. I still expect him to be pretty good. If you have Kair Elam take any jump at all, I'm going to feel pretty good about having those two guys at safety, those two at, at corner. You still have Taron Johnson as your nickel corner. You have Taylor Rapp as depth. You have Christian Benford at um, cornerback depth. You still have Dane Jackson as a, a three or four corner, assuming that Benford or Kyer Elam go up and get that job. I, like Kev, with this uh, with this defensive line being much improved, it should be feasting season for these DBs. It, it's night and day what the Bills were dealing with last year. Where you think about it, their their secondary was exposed at times with the lesser talent out there. And then when Vaughn goes down and the pass rush starts going away, it, things were really difficult for the Bills defense at the end of last year. They had a lot of disadvantages. If they can get the D-line to play the way that they should, and with the guys back at 
uh, in the secondary. And then you have Matt Milano uh, coming back. It, it, it should be a nasty season for this defense as a whole. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I do believe the DB is a good add if you know you're factoring in the difference between who played in the Cincinnati game to who's going to potentially play week one. And I agree that the, the, the upgrade difference, and I'm not even talking about Cam Dantzler, a guy that I think could come in and compete too. Really like Cam Dantzler, a guy liked out of the draft process. No idea why Minnesota let him go on his rookie contract. Made virtually no sense at that salary level. But to come in and to take – Away potentially from Dane Jackson uh, is going to be very interesting to me because I do believe Cam Dantzler uh, is a solid football player. And I, he, he's got starts to play. This isn't a UDFA. This was a top three, uh, third round draft choice. Um, that's going to be a player that can compete in this league, has proven to play against some of the top receivers in the league. Very interested in that signing. Uh, yet another Brandon Bean, potential Brandon Bean gem we'll have to see in training camp, which would further your, and I don't believe that Dantzler was considered yet on the, on the Mike Clay rankings either, but he is someone that I'm watching pretty closely as a guy, the Bills got an extreme value on this year at the vet minimum as a 25 year old. Uh, It isn't a guy that's 32. It is a guy coming off of his rookie contract uh, to one where, uh, Minnesota just just didn't feel the need to to retain him. So uh, he's someone that I think furthering that depth as an actual depth talent uh, at the corner position. Very interested to see as he's you know he's not even technically 25 yet. 89th overall pick uh, in 2020. So as a guy that I really liked. Um, so he's going to be a fun addition as well to the roster. Kind of went under the radar, Mike, with the Cam Dantzler signing. Uh, we didn't talk about it too much. I didn't see it covered too too much. I'm sure some people have been talking about it, but. Uh, a, a very interesting addition at this point and a guy who's played, you know, 500 snaps uh, throughout the course of his career and was, you know, you know, basically a starter had a really good 2020, 2021 uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm watching out for him at 6'2", 185, a guy that uh, has shown me a little bit uh, at the corner position. And I'm very excited to see his kind of talent compete against the Dane Jacksons uh, of the world. Um, as well. So he's another name to further your point of a guy that they kind of signed on that, that, that minimum deal. So uh, interested in the, in the DB unit as a whole, Mike, the one thing we didn't just talk about though is O-line. Don't you feel like the interior though, took a big boost? hundred percent. Yeah. percent. It, 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 Kev, they could have put almost anyone in there and they would have gotten better at left guard. And I, I, don't, I don't say that to be mean, but Roger Saffold, mm-hmm was a tremendous disappointment last year. He graded out as one of the worst guards in all of football. And just look back at the Cincinnati tape. How many times beat within basically a second of the, of the snap? Josh was pressured all day uh, because of interior. And that's, that's the worst kind of pressure, too. The in-your-face, you have nowhere to go. Um, so, yeah, I on paper, it looks like the interior line is vastly upgraded. I'm not expecting Connor McGovern to come here and then suddenly revitalize the Bills' rushing attack. He's not one of those guys that is a strong run blocker. But his his PFF grades show that he is a solid pass protector and one of the top 15 guards in football in pass protection. So that should be uh, an added plus for Josh Allen. David Edwards, we'll see what we get out of him. Uh, is he going to be someone that's going to be competing for a starter job in camp? Or is he someone that is on on the squad for depth or even potential trade bait uh, at the end of August if if he doesn't 
make a big name for himself during uh, his time in Rochester. Edwards, though, before his concussion issues in, in L.A. with the Rams in recent years, he was a solid starter there. He, he, he was actually a decent run blocker, bring something to the table. And then, obviously, Osiris Torrance, for him to fall to the second round, feels like the Bills got lucky there, Kev. Uh, I, I know early in the draft process, a lot of people were mocking him to the Bills in the first round. And for, for the Bills to have a chance to, to bring in a guy like that, uh, in the late fifties and potentially slot him into the starting lineup, depending on how things go, that that'll be uh, a nice addition. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American family insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Reimagine this holiday season with more capability and more adventure in Kia's EverReady lineup. This winter, gift yourself what you really want during Kia's Season of Giving Back sales event. Kia is offering great deals on the capable Sorento and the spacious Sportage, and deals on even more vehicles like the all-electric EV6 and the fun-to-drive Forte. So visit your local Kia dealer and explore all your newfound possibilities by enjoying Kia's season of giving back. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event ends one I know that Ryan Bates isn't probably going to just give the job to Osiris Torrance. He's going to want to keep the position. It's one of those things where does Bates' versatility overall, where he can slot in at other positions, hurt him uh, in this situation because you know if another guy goes down, he can he can switch and easily be the sixth man uh, on the line. So it's going to be really interesting how this all goes down. There's going to be some good battles and uh, on the line, and it's going to be fun this training camp to see all these new guys and new faces, which – is a pleasant surprise after going into into the offseason with very little uh, salary cap space and resources to really go out and make major splashes. Yeah, the guard improvement was one I thought maybe you were going to go with in your selection uh, because I do believe it's with Bates being a versatile six offensive lineman now over Van Rowe and, and now you have Osiris Torrance, a guy that, if anything, his biggest knock was that he is a good right guard um, was basically his knock that, you know, he's not going to play center, right tackle, uh, left tackle, um, you know, Nick Broker style or Ryan Bates style. Uh, he's going to be just a good right guard. Um, and that's what the bills needed was a good right guard move Bates to the six playing all, basically all the backup spots. Um, and then plug in your guy, you, you designated as one of the best pass blockers in the league and Connor McGovern. It's much better. It's, it's, it's just, it's yeah. just is an upgrade outside of injuries. We're not going to factor injuries in any of our discussions, but outside of injuries, it's much. And even if there is one base is the one that plugs in anyways. So the it's much be, better. The concern would be right tackle. If you put Osiris Torrance as your starting right guard, you're putting a rookie next to your weakest link on the offensive line or perceived weakest link. Maybe it bumps him though. We always look at that as a negative, but maybe his play and steadiness will bump him in this case. We'll, We've we'll seen have to see. Uh, Aaron Quinn had a, a tweet earlier today where he said one of the biggest stories of this Bills offseason off that really hasn't been asked or really talked about recently is why did the Bills not do more to address the right tackle position? Obviously, uh, you go into the season with Spencer Brown, but there's really not much competition uh, behind him. I, I know that they did make a few moves, Kev, uh, but overall we're not expecting 
any of those guys to really push Spencer Brown for the job. Theoretically, it could happen if Brown continues to play down. But I, I do think there's this big hope inside the Bills' um, offices that maybe the the back issues and the injuries that Brown um, was going through last year was a, a big contributor to his poor performance on the field and that being healthier, he will be able to step his game up to a higher level. Yeah, I'm confused because a lot of people were talking about right tackle. It's pretty much all I had to talk about up to the draft was what was going to happen at right tackle. Um, and I don't think the board fell a certain way for them, especially with some of those tackles going off the board before the Bills pick, hence the guard being available there for them. Uh, the Matt Bergerons and et cetera were gone in the 30s. Um, so so to me, like I think it was talked about a, a good amount. Uh, you know, Spencer Brown was like one of the top three topics up until like May 1st that I had to talk about. Uh, whether it was in spaces or Twitter in general, um, friends and family, that was like the number one. So I'm not following the, well, no one's talking. I think that's like much. If, if a Bill's talk comes up and it's not like receiver. At the current moment, obviously before the draft, yeah. that was the topic. I would yeah. say since the draft, people have moved because on. Because the, the, the team, including Cromer's body, like to answer that, the team's bought in on the right tackle. Like I've talked to yeah. offensive linemen, and that's that's what it is. They they have bought in. Whether it's right or not, we, we don't know yet. Uh, but that's the answer, is that they're bought in on him. They think the back injury was a major factor. He couldn't set and plant and, and anchor, and it was a big issue. Um, and they believe that him at his value and what he can do is going to be okay. And I'd argue they brought Brett Quesenberry, which isn't a huge move, but they brought in Shell, a guy that has started in Miami's offensive line was better underneath Shell last year. It is another one of those Cam Dantzler or, um, you know, we talk about Ford and we talk about Rap, but, you know, ones that, you know, more recent ones were Shell and uh, Dantzler. And I think that Shell is one of those factors of, like, could silently be the sixth offensive lineman on this team. Him and Bates uh, could be battling for that. I think that shell was a really solid presence um, in Miami and in the Miami offensive line scored well with him playing. So I think that that is a move they made. I'm not sure exactly beside there's nothing to say that, yes, they didn't take a tackle in the first or second round. That's like completely true. Um, But outside of that, like, I don't know what else they were really supposed to do. And then obviously didn't designate that as important enough in the fourth. They didn't have a fourth in the fifth round where they only took shorter. Um, So I think, I think have the, the, the more, the point is yes, they brought in shell. Yes. They re-signed Quesenberry. It's not that if Brown doesn't work out that you don't have, another option yeah more so i think there was people hoping for an upgrade at the right tackle position where if you put shell in a game or if you make him the starter it's more so because spencer brown didn't give you what you wanted to see in camp if you have quesenberry in a game it's because you either had an injury or you you weren't happy with the other guys that you brought in so it's if there was one spot on the offense where you're looking at and you're like I don't feel great about it. Probably would be right tackle would be the first position that people would point to. Um, after that, you might look at the wide receiver room and say, oh, I, I like I like Stefan, but I really don't know about Gabe or I don't know about what we are at the slot when Kincaid isn't in the game. So these questions aren't major questions. I mean, I guess Spencer Brown could be a major concern if that doesn't work out well. But not uh, the, most of the Bills roster, the questions are minor things. Uh, you can have minor tweaks or there's already the, the next answer for if something goes wrong. Everything outside of outside linebacker, which we know the Bill, middle linebacker, pardon me, which we know the Bills are kind of experimenting with Terrell Bernard, 
uh, Balen Spector, and then obviously Tyrell Dodson in the competition as well. Yeah, Shell graded out as a really decent run blocker from weeks five to 18. He played pretty much every snap. Well, just two sacks, uh, eight hits. I'd like that to be a little bit lower on, you know, the total of uh, four penalties uh, total. Uh, and he played a lot of right tackle and swung it into left tackle a little bit uh, throughout. I uh, had about 80 snaps at left tackle. So I think that it's not sexy. It's not a huge signing. Like, I don't know. I know Puna Ford got most of it, the hill, but we're kind of sleeping on Brandon Shell as a reserve, as a, as a true veteran backup option to him uh to me like i think that that's a pretty meaningful signing like is it you know you're not gonna i've always say this you know i say this mike you're not gonna go and sign Dion dawkins behind Dion dawkins you just it's just not gonna be a thing you need your draft picks third round pick a couple of years ago to work out and the bills supplemented it by quisenberry if quisenberry's not the answer you went with shell i think that that's more than enough depth uh and as a unit in total you know now you have broker and Bates that might have play a role in right tackle position left tackle as well at some point you have a bunch of different style of tackles there that you can you can reach to. That's not even factoring in the guard upgrades. So I think, and then Dawkins and Morse. So I, 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 it's as much as you can do in one offseason. Like I think it's the number one need next year if he doesn't. Yeah, I, Kev, I, I'm absolutely with you. I'm not criticizing Bean. I'm not calling. No, I know you organization. I, I felt the same way as you. I honestly didn't want right tackle to be the first round uh, pick. Uh, for the Bills. So I, I'm happy it played out the way it did because I do think Spencer Brown might be able to elevate his game to a higher level. I think it's just a fair question for those um, that do examine the Bills roster and they, they're trying to figure out where are the holes on this team. I do think that's the one spot that you would point to uh, overall. Uh, not saying I disagree with it. You only have so many resources to address the, the holes on your team. And if middle linebacker and right tackle are the the two biggest holes on this roster and you feel somewhat decent about what you have at right tackle still, then I'm not going to be that critical or that upset. Right. I look at the, the whole rest of the roster and I'm saying you could probably uh, get by with Tyrell Dodson, Bernard or Spectre at middle linebacker for a season uh, with the rest of the guys you have surrounding him. And at right tackle, if it doesn't work out, there is some insurance options. So, he did what he had. Brandon Bean did what he had to do. He he, he got some answers and uh, you got to just you just got to hope that it doesn't become a problem. Yeah. And what it, what, what was interesting, what Mike Clay predicted that Terrell Bernard starts, which is an interesting prediction. And more and more we're hearing about Terrell Bernard, maybe taking that that off ball linebacker spot. Forty six hundred and one snaps from Brandon Shell. He's been a starter every single season, just like Quisenberry. I do believe that's going to be a nice battle behind Spencer Brown, one that I feel OK with because. The whole idea is like you need Spencer Brown on his third round pick salary and his production and his Raz and everything else that he does have working for him and that back injury being cleared up to figure it out. And that's what I'm thinking about at the right tackle position with liking. I do like the veteran Hopkins. Von Shell always finds his way into the lineup. He's a really good run blocker throughout majority of his career uh, and has some good pass blocking moments. Last year was not his best pass blocking, uh, but he has some good moments in his career. Uh, and, you know, a guy that can generally keep the penalties down uh, throughout points and more, more recently in his career, too. So it is going to be an interesting thing. And I, and I feel pretty comfortable. And I'm interested to see what Bates and Broker can do, too, at the at the right tackle spot if they factor in at all. So that's that's going to be an interesting training camp thing to follow. Um, question. What's what's the answer? Yvonne or White, only 50 to 60 percent of themselves. Dane Jackson and cross your fingers on the end. 
Um, well, Dion, they just double down with Leonard Floyd. They have Greg Russo. They're hoping for more from AJ Epinesa, who had, you know, silently had a, a six sacks, uh, as well as Boogie Basham. So there is in Shaq Lawson, there is some defensive end talent there. That's what we just talked about earlier that we think they didn't just hold their breath. They went out and got Leonard Floyd for this exact re- him, him and Greg Russo are a pretty good insurance policy, uh, with Shaq Boogie and AJ, uh, as rotational guys. There's a lot of talent there still. Um, and I think corner, I answered earlier. I mean, the answer is to white. I think white is said to be looking as good as ever and back to corner one status top five in the AFC. Potentially. I like guys like cam Dantzler. He is that he is a potential. If he is not back, I think you could see cam Dantzler and, and the guy that I think you mentioned Christian Benford, a guy that the bills really, really like, I mean, he's a guy that plays everything that earned a job over others in this exact scenario last year and then facing injury himself. But Christian Benford earned a job early and often last year. So you got Benford, you got Elam. Obviously you have the slot covered in Taron Johnson. You have Taylor Rat popping into the slot as well, if needed in dime situations. Uh, and then, you know, my guy, uh, Cam Dancer uh, coming in as well to provide right cornerback depth. He's played a lot of right corner in his career and has a lot of snaps there. So I think if Trey White's out right corner comes Cam Dantzler. And then lastly, sure, Dane Jackson is still in that mix and a guy that is trusted uh, within uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So I do believe that they feel pretty comfortable. Will they go and address it more this summer if something's needed? Yeah, they obviously will. But I really like Cam Dantzler as a million-dollar player. And Saran Neal is such a such a benefit to special teams that I even can't have him off my roster. Maybe if the bills need salary, you can, but he's such a bonus there and they have him in certain subs and trying to the Kelsey thing. And he has got certain bigger physical players and they have him in those kind of settings. Um, even though he got absolutely cooked by uh, Juju Smith Schuster last year uh, in a mismatch, but they have him in that setting uh, in that slot, big slot setting. Will he be replaced by wrap uh, and then making him expendable uh, in the uh, uh, special teams ability. I think it's very possible, especially with Cam Dancer being a guy and if they still like Dane Jackson. So there's some mix and matching that can go on. And something we didn't talk about, Michael Fultz's season of return from Naeem Hines is an upgrade as well. Mike Clay thinks it's double the return yardage for a full season of Naeem Hines, both kick and punt uh, this season over other teams. So will special teams take a boost? Still having some core special teamers like Matikiewicz and Neil um, and others on the roster, including Naeem Hines, you know, you know, Gilliam, you know, what will that look like this season as a core special team or so with all that being said, Mike, that's going to be a wrap on the going deep podcast for this beautiful Tuesday edition. Uh, so we have next week, we're going to be breaking down some awesome, awesome stuff that I have planned the following week will be July 4th. So we'll see what we do for that date uh, as we don't, you know, we will respect the holiday there, Mike. So any final thoughts on any of the things I just rambled about? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. And honestly, defensive end and cornerback, if Vaughn and Trey aren't 60 70% of what they are, those are two of the positions that we just mentioned all show that, like, they have addressed. They have mm-hmm. depth at. So, yes, like, they they won't be the, the elite-level guys that you would have if Trey or Vaughn can still bring it. But I – I, I understand what you're getting at, Steve, with some of the, your some of your questions. Also, the what would the Bills be without Stephon Diggs? What's their answer there? Well, you hope and pray if Stephon Diggs is out. Uh, there, there is no replacing a top five receiver in football, and the same is uh, for Kansas City or Cincinnati. Uh, stuff like that. Yes, Kansas City's answer to losing Tyree Kill was make the offense more rounded. Go to a shorter attack. Don't 
go all about the deep ball anymore. So yes, you would, you make adjustments depending on what you are facing. So um, also the bills defense, uh, like they had issues, but that it's more difficult to address things in season when you're having a bunch of guys going down than it is during the off season, when you have the ability to, uh, to fill those holes and address certain things. So I think the bills are in a really good spot. Talent wise, Kev, I think yeah. on paper, this team looks absolutely loaded. As I alluded to earlier in the show, I think if you just put the Bills head-to-head versus Kansas City or Cincinnati right now, I think those are pick games. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Cincinnati would is a bad matchup for the Bills and they would win 7 out of 10 against Buffalo. But but we don't know that. We All we know so far is that the Bills got destroyed at home in a playoff game. That's one time that they've played and Cincinnati had the upper hand. In 2020, in the playoffs, the Bills got hammered by Kansas City. They were controlled by Kansas City earlier in that season as well. The Bills, two of the Bills' four losses in the 2020 season were against the Chiefs. And what happened the next year? The Bills went on the road in Sunday Night Football, and they beat the Chiefs. And then they had a playoff game that they should have won. Then they played the Chiefs again on the road in 2022, and they beat them again. So one game doesn't mean that you are suddenly – way behind the curve when it comes to to talent, when it comes to ability, when it comes to what you can accomplish. I think the Bills are right where they need to be. The only major concern I have is that there are a lot of other teams in the AFC now that are closer to the top three than what the past few seasons are. So it's not going to be as easy of a road to get to that point. Uh, in past seasons, like last year, the Bills won 13 games. In Miami, what were they, 9-8, and eight, second in the division, four and a half games back. The days of the Bills just cruising to a, a division title or being able to safely say, yeah, this is their division, they're going for the one seed. I don't think that's going to be the situation this year where they just cruise to uh, an easy season. But overall – I trust the talent, and I think when push comes to shove, this team is going to be ready, and they're going to be a Super Bowl contender in January and February. They just have to capitalize, and they have to cut the crap, Kev. They have to cut the crap in the important moments because we've seen for three seasons in a row that they are one of the best teams in football during the regular season. That means something. Carry it over. Okay, fair enough. Well, Will we carry it over that and more next week on the Going Deep podcast, 7 o'clock right here? Tune in to Kyer Elam tomorrow, by the way. Kyer Elam on the film room with Ant and Eric going through some great stuff. So make sure you turn that on. Uh, that's going to be a good one. See what we're talking about here at Corner. Let's hear from Kyer himself on certain plays and what he expects in the future. That's going to be an action-packed show. So make sure you tune in tomorrow to that edition uh, from the Cover One Podcast Network. But – we're pretty excited. The summer's here. Training camp's coming. We're going to do some great crossover content to next late uh, end of next month. So make sure you tune into everything that the network's doing um, as always. But please smash the like button. That would be very meaningful to us. Smash it. Um, and it lets us create great content for you. So that'll be a wrap on this edition, the 66th edition of the Going Deep podcast. We appreciate everybody tuning into 66 straight weeks with Mike and myself. 
going to get to 100 before we know it, Mike. But uh, before that, we have a training camp to get to and much more. So make sure you tune in every weekend to a week, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And Kyrie Elam tomorrow here on the network. So from Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt, this is a Going Deep podcast. And we will catch you all next week at 7. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the build, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down field, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield. Wide open. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.